My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're able to join us today. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 10 today, so go ahead and head on over there while we welcome some folks this morning. Let's see who we've got with us today. So we've got room 206 up and running. Thanks, Jessica, for that. I appreciate that. So the Barbers are with us, uh, the Arnolds, the Velosens, the Gilchrist. Hi, Nina. Uh, Barry Cole, our senior, newest senior citizen, is here. Uh, Mitch and Sherry Johnson, uh, Brittany and Danus are there in 206. Hey, guys. Uh, the Ayers. Hey, Mom. Mom's on with us this morning. And uh, the Landers and the Greggs from North Carolina. Fantastic. Well, it's good to have you guys. Appreciate you being with us today. So, again, like I said, if you've got your Bibles, you can head over to uh, Mark chapter 10. Uh, you can also grab a copy of today's handout uh, at uh, OurSundaySchool.com. Um, it is... We're probably going to finish today. Uh, we started it last week, so it's the same handout as last week. And uh, I would encourage you to be able to have one of those close by. We're going to be making a lot of references to that today. So just a, a quick announcement about today specifically. So today is week 100 in our series in Mark. So uh, I don't know if that means that's a centennial lesson, but uh, we've been in Mark a while. And uh, I am excited to spend uh, even more time in Mark. And I appreciate you guys being with us on this journey and the patience that you have shown as we have been on this journey. So uh, a couple more folks joining this morning, the uh, Archers and Cheryl Benefield. Hey, guys. Good morning and welcome. So again, like I said, we're in Mark chapter 10. So grab your Bibles. Let's head over there. We'll read all the way through uh, Mark chapter 10. And then we will start talking about Mark chapter 10. Mark 10. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. 
You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise." And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take up, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, 
What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I hope that one of the things that you have noticed in Mark chapter 10 are the contrasts between the different groups that come and engage with Jesus as he and his disciples are traveling to Jerusalem. There is a great deal of contrast. People who come and ask him questions and engage in sinful ways. People who uh, beg and engage in righteous ways. And it's interesting to note when Jesus answers questions. Because as we've discussed many times, his first response is almost always a question with a question. But what happens many times in Mark chapter 10 is there'll be a question and it's answered far later than the questioner actually anticipated. So before we get in, starting with today's text, I uh, just want to make sure we ask our question and we ask each week, what is God doing in you through the portion of his word that we have studied so far? So what is God doing in you through the portion of his word that we have studied so far? And I hope you have an answer for this. I hope whether you type it in the comments or whether you uh, know this in your heart that the Spirit of God is engaging you with His Word, that the Spirit of God is drawing out uh, things in our lives that we need to repent of and believe in the gospel anew. Um, so I, I hope that there's something significant that God is doing in your life um, because of this particular study, because that's what He does. That's how He operates. All right, we've got some more folks that have joined us. So the Arnolds, the O'Briens, and the McGarveys, fantastic. We've almost got a full house this morning. That's great. Uh, so we're in Mark chapter 10. Uh, last week, we kind of started the second half of this section on the rich young man. Uh, it begins in verse 17. And I, I just want to make sure we look at the question that the rich young man asked. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and the interesting thing is Jesus doesn't give him an explicit answer to this question. Jesus tells him things to go and to do. But if we look at the end of our probably four-part lesson, maybe five in this particular section, um, Jesus talks about eternal life in verse 30. So there's this uh, very interesting chiastic structure that's going on in Mark chapter 10, specifically in this section, where where there's a, uh, a question that's asked and we, we indent and indent and indent and get to something that Jesus is really focusing on. And then we start to dig back out that connects the original question. Uh, so I would argue that had the rich young ruler stuck around and done and obeyed God's word, that he would have actually gotten to, explore his, to hear his answer uh, explicitly stated as Jesus did. Um, so there is... There's a great benefit in endurance, in perseverance, in sticking with it, in following Jesus through hard things so that there is um, eternal life ultimately at the end, but uh, on the journey, life with Jesus. So I, I don't want to miss that uh, as we go through and look at all the detail today, but that's where I want to try to land here in a few minutes. So last week we looked at verses uh, 23 24, uh, 25, 26, and 27. And right at the end of verse 27, Jesus is 
talking to his disciples and he says, for all things are possible. Uh, and this word possible, this word uh, for uh, able to be done, powerful or capable. Um, one of the interesting things, this, this word also shows up in, um, uh, it also shows up in Mark 14, 36. And I don't know that we looked at this verse last week. So I want to finish up with this and then we'll jump into uh, verse 28. So Mark 14, 36 so, for, so 1027 was publicly to his disciples. 1436 is Jesus praying privately to the Father. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. And I, I just want to make a quick note that Jesus is both publicly and privately consistent in his theology. It is not a case where he says and believes and distributes information that's got one spin on it to the crowd to get what he wants. And then in private, he's somebody else. It's like, no, this is, this is what he believes. Uh, and it is good to follow a leader, our savior, who is consistent and flawless and good and right and perfect and holy and all that he does, uh, both in his, I, I don't know the right phrase here, but inner Trinitarian maybe, uh, conversation with the father uh, that we get a glimpse into, as well as his conversation with his followers themselves. So I, don't miss these little beautiful things that we pick up by looking at where these words show up. So we left off with, for all things are possible with God last week. Uh, and let's look at verse 28. So verse 28, Peter began to say, uh, in, insert, um, you know, some snarky comment here, some character about Peter, right? As we typically do when we start talking about Peter. And, and again, just as a reminder, we believe that uh, Mark wrote his gospel uh, under the authority and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. This is an inspired word. Uh, but we also believe that Mark was with Peter in Rome when Mark wrote this. We have some early church fathers that were really crystal clear on this for us. Uh, not biblical writings where they were crystal clear, but uh, some early letters that they sent back and forth where it was just assumed that you know Peter was with Mark, kind of giving him uh, Peter's account of the gospel here. So you, you can almost label this gospel, uh, the gospel according to Peter as written by Mark. Um, so we see a lot more glimpses and perspectives of Peter uh, in Mark's gospel. So verse 28, Peter began to say to him, to Jesus here, uh, see, <clears throat> and in, in, um, in our English Bibles, it, it doesn't come across as strong as it really is in Greek because in Greek it's an imperative. So he's telling Jesus what to do. Like, look here, see, watch this. So see, we, so the, the guys here, we've, we've left everything and followed you. This word followed is in the perfect tense. It means completed action with the results continuing. So this idea that we've, we've done this thing in the past and we're still here, right? This is still sticking around. We didn't, we're not flaky. We didn't, we didn't follow you for a while and then bail which is what they're going to do, but it's not what they've done yet. Uh, and Peter's drawing a distinction between them and this young man that has come and um, drawing a distinction between their commitment and this young man's lack of commitment. So he says, and we've left everything and followed you. We've gone in the same way with you. We're, we've, we're becoming your disciples, right? And Jesus in verse 29 said, truly, and this is uh, one of the few times that uh, Jesus uses the word truly in Mark's gospel. There's the, the commentators are funny about this. They call them the amen sayings. 
because that's what the, the word means. If you, if you look at the Greek word, it's amen, which is not a Greek word. It's a Hebrew word that's been transliterated over into Greek. Uh, and our word, our English word, amen, is a Hebrew word that was transliterated over into Greek and then Latin and then English. So it's it gets a lot of play. Um, it and hallelujah are two of the really, really rare, almost universal words in most languages. If you say those words, most people are like, oh, yeah, I got you. I understand what that means, which I think is interesting because you can say both of them about Jesus. Uh, so Jesus said, truly. Now, the, the grammatical construction here is a bit awkward, and it is impossible to determine whether or not Jesus is saying amen to what Peter just said or to what Jesus is about to say. Jesus usually says amen, truly, verily, to what he is about to say, not an endorsement of what someone else has said. However, if you look at the words, what Jesus says, what he comes next after what Peter said, they are very, very consistent. He's not rebuking Peter here in any way. So there's a, there's a possibility in which he's doing both, right? He's saying, yes, you're right. And what I'm about to say is right. Listen up. So Peter tells him to look. He says, we followed you. Jesus says, truly, I say to you, there is, so this is an indicative, this is a statement of fact from the perspective of the reader and the speaker, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands. So you, you have this kind of long string of things. And there, there's a couple of things here I, I think are interesting. So when Jesus says has left, this is to send forth or to send away a uh, house. And the word house here is singular in the Greek. Brothers is plural. Sisters is plural. Mother is singular, right? Or father, singular. Or children. Now, now here you, you start to think, whoa, now Jesus, now this is, this is going too far, right? Leaving your kid? Like what in the world are we talking about here? Or lands. And remember, what did we say the rich young ruler was, was rich in? He was rich in possessions, which was the, the word for lands or estates. So he's connecting back to the rich young ruler here, right? So uh, plural, uh, singular house, plural brothers, plural sisters, singular mother, singular father, plural children, plural lands, for or on account of my sake or Jesus' sake, and for or on account of the gospel. So here we see another instance of the word gospel in Mark's gospel. Uh, and it doesn't actually show up very many times. The, the word only shows up eight times in Mark's gospel. And to be, to be a gospel, you would think that the word gospel would show up more often, but Mark kind of takes care of that for us because he introduces his gospel in 1.1. Uh, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then in verses 14 and 15, he talks about now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. And we talked about this many, many times that this was a, uh, a repeated regular theme of Jesus' teachings. Uh, and the specific words here that Mark uses imply that this is an over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, the next time the word gospel shows up is in 835. So if you get over to 835, <clears throat> Jesus says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. So again, we see this similar construction here, for my sake and for the gospel. So there's a, there's a connection between what he's talking about back in 8 and what he's talking about here in chapter 10. 
So you got to leave all these other things, right? So we transition to verse 30. Who will not receive a hundredfold now? Now, the English uh, phrasing here is super awkward. And it's super awkward because there's a double negative in Greek that's split with a whole bunch of nouns. And it's just hard to translate. You can either be really, really faithful and and stay really tight to the original text and have crazy awkward English, or you can be really flexible from the original Greek and have English that flows a little bit better. And quite frankly, this is just one of those situations where there's, there's not a super clean way to do this easily for English speakers. There's just always gonna be some spots in our Bibles that are awkward sentence structure because either the original was awkward or the original doesn't translate over into English really well. Uh, and and you, you see this in movies sometimes, right? You'll see this in movies where there's some character that needs to communicate with somebody else and there'll be a translator and the translator, translator will basically say, well, what he's, what he's basically saying is da 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 right? And, and some of the paraphrases are actually very helpful, the English paraphrases of, of this particular chapter because of the high volume of awkward Greek that's present. So just an FYI, if, it, if you read through it in English and you're like, wait, what was that? It's, it's, it's just there. That's the way this works. So uh, 29, so Jesus said, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands um, for my sake and for the gospel's sake who will not receive a hundredfold now. And the now is one of those words where enter prosperity theology, right? So they come dancing on stage with all sorts of uh, craziness and bad theology that basically says, Jesus wants you to be rich right now. He wants you to be rich. He wants you to have it all. You can have Jesus and you can have it all right now. And and this is just not what the text says at all. We're, we're going to get to a couple of words here in a minute that, that just fly in the face of everything these theology uh, teachers uh, preach. So he says, who will not receive a hundredfold now, in this time, this is kairos, this is the, the season. A couple of times in Mark's Gospels, this word for season is used to describe, well, it's not the season for this harvest. It's not the season for this. So it's just this time of the season, this space that you're in right now. You will not receive in this time. Houses, plural. So we went from a singular house to a plural house. And brothers, plural still. Sisters, plural still. Mothers, mothers, plural Plural mothers now? What could that be talking about? And children, plural children. And lands, plural lands. But Jesus skipped something that he said in the first list. What did he skip that he said in the first list? Go back and look. Is it house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands, right? You get Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. There's something we missed. What did we miss? What did he leave off? You don't get plural fathers now. Because once you're in the family, you have one father. And that's what makes us family, that we have one father. And I would argue that if we are truly one family, then what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. So I have many houses, I have many brothers, I have many sisters, I have many mothers, many children, much land. 
but only one day. So don't miss what Jesus leaves out because it's really pretty cool. So mothers and children and lands, and here's the part that you will not hear the theology preachers talk about with persecutions. See, nobody wants this part. Nobody wants the part that, yeah, we get, we have this commonality with each other through the commonality with Christ, through the fathership of the Father, through the kinship of the Spirit. But boy, we don't want those persecutions. How can I make my life easy? How can I get all this persecution away? I want to make things as smooth and simple and easy as possible. And that's not what Jesus says, right? It's just not what he says. So you get these things right now with persecutions. And oh, by the way, in the age to come, and young man, if you'd stuck around, you'd have heard these words with eternal life. You see, we, we don't get the eternal life without going through the persecution. This is just a fundamental way that Jesus has set up the universe to work. This is the way the universe works. Persecution, eternal life. Now, there's a couple of interesting things about this, though. A couple of interesting things are that if you think about the future, does the future get better? Or does the future get worse for the believer? Think about that one. Does the future get better for the believer? Or does the future get worse for the believer? I would argue the future always gets better. Because the longer we are with Jesus, the longer we have the Spirit indwelling, the longer our sanctification goes, we are becoming more and more like Christ. More like our Savior. More of our Savior. A deeper love for our Savior. A deeper understanding of our God. This is better. And whether we get houses and lands and brothers and sisters and mothers and children, that's, that's wonderful. That's nice. But give me Jesus. That's what my heart desires. Right? This is what this is all about. You see, if the rich young ruler had actually obeyed Jesus in what he's told him to do, he told him to... Um, go, sell, give, come, and follow. See, the, the rich young ruler's answer was Jesus. His problem was himself. And this is true for us as well. Our answer is Jesus. In him we have our yes and amen. And our problem is ourself. And all the things that we fix our attention and favor onto that are not our God. So Jesus tells him, go and remove these things. In a way, this is a repentance. And then a turn and come and follow Christ. This is a belief in the gospel that Jesus is preaching. He is utterly consistent in his direction and in his teaching. Uh, and I love that about our Savior. So Jesus then kind of wraps this all up in verse 31. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Because remember... He's already taken a couple swipes at this prosperity theology belief that the disciples had, right? Because they were astonished that rich men, it was going to be difficult for them to go to heaven. They were just astonished at this because in their mind, you know, the rich could give more and that gave them easier access. Whereas Jesus tells us the truth that riches are a hurdle to belief in the gospel. 
which is our challenge. They're, they, they slow down. They make this more difficult, right? The camel going through the eye of the needle. This is impossible with man. Can't buy your way there. It's not the way this works. It's not impossible with God. So he flips all of this on its head at the end of this section. And I think it's a beautiful, masterful way um, that he does. Because, you know, quite frankly, the, the rich young ruler wanted to be first. And Jesus was trying to tell him, no, no, that's not the way this works. So let's take a look at our application and personalization. I've got quite a few of these today. I was trying to land the plane a bit early so we could get to them. So since this is a, a two-week lesson in this particular text, I've got several applications from last week and several personalizations from last week. I think the first four are from last week and then the last three are from this week. Um, so application number one, uh, Jesus patiently corrects his children. Oh, aren't we thankful for that one? Right? He patiently corrects his children. So what do we do with that? Well, I would say, listen and repent of bad doctrine. Listen to his correction and repent of bad doctrine. Where we have beliefs that are not in harmony with his wise and holy will and his perfect word, uh, we should repent and believe again in uh, what God has given us. Uh, number two, what's the point? Let Jesus be Jesus. Um, you know, we talked last week a little bit about how we like to hyper-spiritualize everything, that the the camel and the needle had some other it's like just it's a camel and a needle, right? He's making a hyperbole here. He's, it's almost a joke. Um, so I would say number two, uh, st stop. I, I don't know if this is a word. Metaphorizing everything. Uh, everything doesn't have to stand for something else. Sometimes it can just be a camel and a needle, right? Uh, number three, Jesus. Application number three: Jesus and his teachings are worthy of astonishment. They're worthy of astonishment. We see this over and over in Mark's gospel that those who are around him, those who see what he do, see that what he does, uh, see how he engages with others, they're just astonished at his authority, astonished at the way he handles the word. Uh, so I would say, personalized, what do we do with that? Number three, be astonished. <laughs> it's okay to be astonished at Jesus. Uh, you know, God help us to, to be astonished at our Savior, uh, the one who has given all for us. And then application number four from last week, uh, Jesus was consistent publicly and privately. Uh, his theology was not a, well, I've got one version for you and I've got one version for God and I'm, you know, this uh, masquerade that I'm playing. No, 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 no. Jesus was consistent publicly and privately. So I, I would say for us, what do we do with that? We, we should be consistent. Um, and I will tell you that it is only possible to be consistent by staying close to Jesus in his word. This is the only way, right? Abiding in him. So in a couple of applications and personalizations for this week's text, verses 28 through 31, um, I would just say not everything Peter said was bad. Uh, we have this we have this way of, uh, I think I've said it before, of characterizing uh, Peter and many of the Bible characters, right? You know, Thomas doubted. Well, yeah, but he also asked some really good questions. You know, um, and, and I would I would say that we would do well to remember that people are and were complex, right? There's there's more than one just layer to these Bible characters, and when we and, and they're not just characters, right? They're real people that we're going to meet one day. Um, but I had a, a 
a very uh, gentle correction uh, 10, 12 years ago or so. And I was kind of railing on one of the Bible characters and had a, an older saint come up to me afterward and said, put his arm around me. He said, Jim, you know, you're going to meet him one day, right? Yeah. He's like, you haven't thought about that, have you? I was like, not really. He's like, yeah, well, let that help how you talk about him. <laughs> okay. And I, I hopefully got a little easier on some of these folks because, you know, position heal thyself, right? Uh, so so what, do we, what do we do with that if not everything Peter said was bad? Well, I would say, you know, slow down with the generalizations. Um, yes, Peter talked a lot. Yes, he talked first sometimes, but it wasn't always. You go back and you read through the Gospels, there's plenty of times where somebody else spoke up first, plenty of times where somebody else engaged Jesus in a different way. So not everything Peter said was bad. Uh, application number six, Jesus is enough. Uh, but he also offers more, right? And, and this, is, this is to me a, a, a stunning uh, realization is that, you know, if, if all we ever got from a relationship with Jesus was Jesus, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's incredible, right? It's absolutely incredible. But he says there's even more. Uh, what I get from a relationship with Jesus is you guys. And that's wonderful. You know, I can scroll back through these comments this morning and you guys saying hello. And every one of you, means something significant to me. And I'm with you, Amy. I, I miss seeing you guys in the flesh. And I wish we, I could snap my fingers and this would all be over. And this is God's strange providence and it's up to us to follow him. And it is what it is. So Jesus is enough, but he offers more. So what do we do with that? I would say we stay close to Jesus by repenting and believing in the gospel so that we don't get distracted and lured away with shiny things, just like the young man who left and didn't follow Jesus, who never really got the direct, straight answer on where is eternal life found. It's found in Christ and in Christ alone. That's where it's found. And then application uh, number seven, the first will be last and the last will be first. You're like, what does that mean? Well, it's this real common theme all the way through the Gospels where Jesus takes what we consider to be important and makes it base and shows that what we consider to be base and makes it important. Uh, so what do we do with that? How about we strive to be last? Let's try that on today. Let's put that on. Let's see how that t-shirt fits. Let's strive to be last. So in your interactions today with the Spirit's help, and I'm not trying to turn this into a rule or a law or something onerous here. How can we defer? How can we say, no, no, I'll serve instead of being served? It can be little things, can be big things, but let's strive to be last because we know who's first and he's not sharing his first with anybody. <laughs> The, uh, there was a UFC last night, and one of my favorite fighters to watch, uh, Conor McGregor, fought and lost, actually. Uh, he got knocked out in the second round, which is crazy to watch. But he has a saying that he, uh, that he says fairly often. He's from uh, Ireland, and uh, Ireland is not a, a MMA-heavy mecca, 
there's a very small number of really, really good Irish fighters. And Conor McGregor was, was trying to build up uh, Ireland's uh, stable of fighters. And when he won his first championship, he said, you don't understand. We didn't come here to take part. We came here to take over. And I, that, that resonated with me very deeply when I, I remember when I, where I was when I heard him say that. And I, I think it reflects Jesus' perspective in the second coming quite clearly. Um, you know, a lot of folks want a, a little dose of Jesus, a little dab of Jesus, a little splash of Jesus in their riches, in their estate, in our houses and lands and all the things that we have. And he didn't come to be a part. He came to take over. So we probably ought to strive to begin to practice this service, this lastness um, now because this will be our place and our position for all eternity. So uh, with that, uh, I will say thank you very much for uh, engaging with us this morning. Um, oh, I didn't see Nancy Miller and uh, Valerie Hopper on. Fantastic. Uh, yes, and Ms. yes, Ms. Hopper, we will, uh, the Lord willing, we will plan to continue uh, live streaming even when we get back into whatever normal looks like going forward, right? Um, and, uh, and I, I pray these are a blessing and that they will continue to be a blessing. So, all right, so let's move into our prayer time. Uh, so if you've got uh, prayer requests, um, we would love to have you uh, comment on those and put those in the, um, uh, the comments here on Facebook. We'd love to have you lean in and engage and pray for somebody that's not with you. Uh, and we'd love to have you engage with us in worship today, whether that be in person or online. There's a variety of ways uh, to do that. And I would uh, commend you in that direction. And I will tell you that I miss you guys. I love you guys. I'm praying for you guys every single day. And if you want to know more about our Sunday school, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com. Tons of resources there. All the old teachings from this series. And uh, happy 100th lesson. Uh, here's to however many more we get in Mark's gospel. So I'm excited about that. Love you guys, and I'm praying for you. Grace and peace to you. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.